Hello, everyone, and welcome to our difficult discussions number three. I am Dr. Megan Miller, and I'm very excited to have with us today Stephanie Bolden, who is a BCBA, and Adrian Bradley, who is also a BCBA. And tonight's topic is talking to children about race. So I am going to read our little introduction to explain to you all what the purpose of difficult discussions is, and then we will get into the actual discussion. So um, the purpose <laughs> of difficult discussions is to bring together people with different perspectives and different identities to share their perspectives on a topic that is typically considered taboo to discuss, seen as controversial, and or is well accepted, but maybe should involve more critical analysis and discussion. The format for these events is as follows. First, none of the panelists will directly respond to anything the other panelists say until part three. And then we're doing this in four parts. In part one, each person will briefly share any identities that they are comfortable sharing and indicate why they wanted to discuss this topic. In part two, each person will provide about a five to 10 minute explanation of their history and perspectives with the topic. In part three, each panelist will briefly reflect on one thing said by one of the panelists to share an aha moment or something they hadn't considered before. And in part four, each panelist will share a closing thought about the topic. This might be an action item, a key point they want listeners to carry with them, et cetera. The views and opinions expressed in difficult discussions videos are those of each individual person and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any affiliated company or professional organization. So thank you to everyone who is joining us live for this discussion. Please remember that each of the individuals sharing within this discussion are sharing their own personal stories and perspectives. And we expect everyone to be treated with respect, empathy, compassion, and civility. We will do our best to monitor the chat and anyone who is engaging in a manner that is not respectful of the discussion, that does not demonstrate a commitment to listening to learn, sharing perspectives and or is focused on making people wrong will be removed from the chat. So that's our little intro. Before we talk about why this topic, I totally spaced on asking Stephanie and Adrian how you're doing today and thanking you for being here. So how are you two doing? Good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> I am doing great. You know, in Michigan, it was 75 degrees today. So nice. we're, we were just, we were good. <laughs> we, it's November and it's 75 degrees. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like it's really good. I mean, it's raining here, but we're still good because we needed it. And, yeah. and it's always hot. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm also really excited to be here. Like, I always welcome any opportunity like to have discussions like this, but it's extra special because I get to talk to you guys. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both. So the first part for tonight is to um, just kind of introduce ourselves if there's any identities that you would like to share with those who are watching and then uh, why you decided to participate in tonight's discussion. So would either of you like to go first? Yeah, I can, I can go first. Um, so my name is Adrian Bradley and I am a black millennial female. <laughs> um, I feel like all three of those are very important into how my ideas and perspective on race 
um, is. And um, we'll probably definitely talk about that a little, a little bit later. Um, but I participated in this difficult discussion because number one, I think um, speaking to our youth about race and ethnicity and inclusion um, is very important to kind of shape our society for the future and definitely want to be speaking to those who are going to be participating you know with our youth and things like that and um, providing my perspective thank you stephanie do you want to go next or do you want me to go yeah i can go um i too i'm a black millennial female my pronouns are she and her um i am a mom right i am well still somebody's wife right um <laughs> i am sometimes a teacher i definitely all the time am a listener um and i'm excited to participate like i said in this conversation it is important um as adrian said to talk about these things because of the way that it shapes not only our present climate but our future so i know we're going to talk about that so i'll stop there but yeah that's me all right thank you and i am also a female my pronouns are she her I honestly don't know what generation I'm in because it never shows like sometimes I'm a millennial and sometimes I'm that like forgotten one. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I guess that's definitely not an important part of my identity since I don't even know. Um, I'm a mom and a wife and a behavior analyst. And I think those are the, the main ones that I seem to operate from currently. And I included this as a difficult discussion topic because I realized that it's something that especially in our field of behavior analysis, there seems to be a mixture um, in terms of people sort of accepting talking about it. And I think it's a topic even with all that's been happening around us these last few months. And of course, for like your whole lives, um, it's just seen as taboo for a lot of people to even talk about this. So um, I just thought it'd be a good one to dive in on. And we have Shaniria and Greg are watching. So hello, thanks for joining us. And we have others, but those are the only people for whatever reason who I can see the names of. So um, thank you all for watching and feel free to chime in on the conversation as we move along. So our next section is to talk about, this is where we're gonna dive in a little bit deeper. So each of us will share our history with discussing race with children which can um, be based on what you recall as a child and how um, race was discussed in your family. And then also how you're currently approaching talking to your own or potentially other children, like maybe if it comes up with um, families that you're serving or schools that you're working in or nieces and nephews or things like that. Um, so basically just sort of giving us a history of just really broadly speaking, how race has been discussed in your life. So does anyone want to go first on that one, on that big question? I can. Okay. Thanks. Um, it's kind of, it's loaded um, to, to put it, to put it nicely, I guess presently, right. Let's start with like the election for me. Um, it's, there was a lot of conversation in my household um, about how important this election was. And for me, that's part of the reason why having this difficult discussion is important because 
I think, and I think Megan, you and I have talked about that a lot. Like sometimes it's about not only what your political views are, but like standing up against racism is how I felt like this election, what I thought this election was about. And so there was a lot of conversations in my household, like when we watch the debates, when we talk about why it's important to vote, when we talk about like these kind of, this social construct of democracy, if you will, even um, what makes it important it was about talking to my son and my daughter about slavery, the fact that people who look like me didn't get to vote. You know, initially we weren't even considered a whole person, we're three fifths of people, right? Um, and so it really started there. And then my son, who's really great, um, really got more into it than my daughter did. So he wanted to learn about the Electoral College and we had to do some Googling and talk about history. And finally he's like, oh, we should just move to Vermont because Biden is president there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not, that's not the way electoral <laughs> votes go kid, but whatever. Um, but he started to understand or started to inquire, if you will, about like, I think it started for us when he got interested in the election was like, hey, why doesn't Trump like black people? Or why does he say that like all Hispanic people are racist or murderers or what have you, right? And so those kinds of questions, because my son has a lot of friends who don't look like him. In fact, all of his friends don't look like him. My daughter is more so the kind of kid who sits with people who look and, and who are like-minded, but my son is not. And so he really needed to have conversations about why that's important for some people because it's not important for him. Um, so there. And so then we started talking about things like, well, you know, kids, the research, because I'm always an analyst, research says that kids start to, you know, figure out race as early as six months of age. Right. And by four years of age, they kind of have already these biases in place. Um, and I've seen that, you know, my my friend, my son has had the same best friend since he was one. His name is maybe I, well, his name is Everett. Right. And he just so happens to not look like him. But there are friends in his class who won't who in his class who wouldn't play with Everett because Everett was playing with Solomon right? Solomon in third grade had a kid who he talked to all the, all the time on the phone and um, kid just happened to not look like him, but there was a, another little boy in the class and he's like, hey, who wants to be friends with me? And the little boy Solomon talks to all the, all the time who happens to be Caucasian said, uh, nobody because you're black. And so Solomon had to have a very difficult, that was a difficult moment for him, right? And so then he's like, well, uh, if that's the way you're going to talk to my friend, then I can't be friends with you because I don't like people who are mean and who are bullies. So he had to walk away from that. But that again, brought up another conversation in my household that is very different from what I experienced as a kid, right? When I was younger, my mom kind of swept that kind of stuff under the rug because you also didn't talk about that um, in a really in-depth way, right? It was like a, a conversation that was hard, but you don't talk about it outside of the house. We talk about it here. We can talk about our differences and why we think people, you know, may or may not get along with us. And we can talk about slavery and all that, but it doesn't extend outside of our safe zone. Um, 
And so for Solomon to stand up for himself was really important to me. And it was like a proud mom kind of moment because he extended that conversation to the place where it was happening. And I don't think I even was able to do that until right now, right? These kinds of moments in my life. Um, So those are some of my experiences, right? And then you have someone like my daughter who we have those kinds of talks because it's really important for her to understand why some girls might not, um, you know, like her or even more so, like I'm natural now. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it just means like I don't relax my hair or put chemicals in it or or whatever. Um, And my daughter is natural, but when she was four, she had super long hair flowed down her back and she'd always wanted to get it straightened. I was like, you can't do that, right? And she's like, but I want my hair to look like yours. I want my hair to be long and straight and look like you, because at that point, that's what I was, that's what I looked like. And so then it became an issue of talking about race and and not only that, but loving who you are and not really adhering to like what society will say about you. Um, because it's about self-love, right? And so that also brought, brings me to another point about like relational frames, right? You have to be able to think about things like your hair in a good way, right? But society doesn't always, or at least for me, didn't always make it seem that way. When people talk about hair, it's about like being nappy or you either have good hair that's easy to comb through or you don't. And that all plays into race and it's all really difficult, but you have to talk to your kids about it in a way that is easy to understand and that allows them to get there. So I don't know, for me, that's what the experience has been. It's been a hodgepodge of difficult conversations um, and really trying to give my children what I didn't have which was a safe place to express themselves outside of their, and the confidence to do it outside of their safe zone. I feel like I've been talking too long, but like that's, that's where I am. Excellent. Thank you for sharing, Stephanie. So many good points to kind of chew on there. Um, Adrian, did you want to go next or do you want me to? Yeah, I can I can go next. Um, I think mine is is very different from Stephanie's, um, in a sense that I'm not a mom yet. Um, I'm not I'm not a parent, and um, I'm more so coming from the perspective of how it was dealt in my house and how I would like to deal deal with it with my kids um, in the very far future. <laughs> Um, but for me, I grew up in a suburban town in Michigan, um, right outside of Detroit. And so, um, that was the kind of first, uh, environment I've been in where I noticed race. Um, and it actually came from my mom. My mom asked me in middle school why I didn't have any black friends. And I think that was my very first instance of like, I'm different than everybody else who I'm around. And I think I I reacted in a very much so like Adrian fashion. And I said, well, you moved me to a place where there were all white people. 
And so um, I, and I kind of, we swept it under the rug and we never really talked about race in my house. Um, and when race started to get brought up in society, I was in college, I was an undergrad and Trayvon Martin happened. And that was one of the very first instances where I felt like we needed to talk about race. Um, and where, or where I felt like it was okay to talk about race. And so when I was growing up, that never came up. Um, and my family, you know, they, we grew up in a city called Troy and they started like the Troy Black Family Network. And I remember thinking like, why does that matter? <laughs> um, like I'm black, I feel perfectly fine here. I don't go through all of the like academic hardship or teacher distress that um, my family was working on. And I took a very privileged approach to it, but my, my mom and my dad didn't, but we also still never talked about it in the house. <laughs> so it was almost like I lived in one world and they were living in another world and our worlds didn't collide until I was in college when it came to race and Trayvon Martin happened. And in college was also the very first real experience that I remember having with racism. Um, and I was 18 years old and I've, I know I've talked about this example in other places just on campus at Central Michigan University and someone called me the n-word and said that I didn't belong here. And me being this independent, you know, say whatever I want to say type of person, um, I all of a sudden had nothing to say because I grew up in an area where there were black people, there were white people, there were Muslims, there were Chaldeans, there were Christians, there were people from the Philippines. It was such a, a melting pot of people that I don't think I really paid attention to the barriers and the things that were happening until I was able to kind of make my own decisions, you know, um, and had to think about that from an adult perspective. So, you know, for me, race and talking about race is a very new thing. Um, and I think also for me, particularly what's going on in the ABA field and this now comfortable aspect that some people have to have these discussions and these very needed discussions, I've in, I very much so empowered myself to feel comfortable to express my opinions and my experiences and not feel guilty about it. Um, and I think within that, I am 28 years old and I'm just now feeling not guilty. And so, you know, we talk about talking to our kids about race and feeling comfortable to make their own decisions and to not create these frames that are created from our media from jump. Um, and really when we look back at that, how does that manifest into our adulthood? And that's another reason why this particular discussion when it comes to kids and creating frames is so very important. And what we see in our current society, I wish I had. You know, and I'm not 
I'm not old. <laughs> you know, I, I still got a long way to go compared to some other people. <laughs> um, but yet there were just such negative things that was created for my frame and how I've even viewed other marginalized group and, and myself and my own group, my own people um, and how that's been created. So I don't want that to happen to my future kids or kid or your kids or anything like that. So really having this discussion to create a better future and to allow people to be comfortable from the beginning and not at 28 and beyond. Um, it, it's sad that we're just kind of unpacking and diving into all of these feelings because it's now okay for us to do that from a black female millennial perspective. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of unpacking. I don't want my kids to have to unpack that this much. <laughs> Muted. I muted myself. Sorry. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And just as a reminder, we're just each sharing and then we'll have some reflections in a minute. So for, for my answer on the question, um, growing up, uh, it's kind of a mixture. I have, my cousin is, um, half black. So definitely we, those conversations happened a bit, right? Because it was like, why does, and my cousin's name is Adrian. So, um, why does, why, you know, why does Adrian have such cool hair? Right? Like why, why does, you know, as little kids, we were obviously asking those questions. Um, but I, I don't really remember having discussions about race in the way that we needed to, it was more of the whole like colorblind thing, right? Like there used to be prejudice and there used to be racism, but the civil rights movement happened and we're all happy now, right? Like that's what it is. And I grew up in a town that was primarily white, was primarily middle to upper middle class. And even at our school, we had, it was pretty like just naturally like um, that there were athletes who kind of like had friends from different racial groups, but for the most part, people kind of separated by their different racial groups. Um, and there wasn't like, you know, even outside, there was maybe a few people from different backgrounds, <laughs> like it was mostly white. Um, and there was even like a little area I can remember in our high school um, where everyone kind of hung out. And um, again, it would be like separated. Like you would see all the kids from like different races just sort of separated. Um, and there were things that happened that like, when I look back, um, but it wasn't until I was like in my, like many years after being out of high school that I look back, I think it was when, it was when one of the um, police killings happened a few years ago. I don't remember which one, unfortunately. A lot of my friends from uh, Medina where I grew up were posting that they weren't surprised and um, you know they were black and they started posting about how racist Medina was. And I was like, what, Medina wasn't racist. Like, how is that possible, right? Um, and then I started thinking about like, oh, like, oh my, what? And I just started having these reflections and I felt 
horrible to like have witnessed those things. But I mean, that's nothing new. Like that's, that's the white existence, right? Like we are completely just ignorant of these things and we need to be paying more attention and, and helping to uplift and solve, not solve, but say something and be there because there's so many times when like, I definitely sat there and watched people who I considered my friends have teachers treat them differently solely because of their race. And I said, and did nothing. And in those moments, unfortunately, in those spaces, if the student themselves said anything, nothing would happen. And it shouldn't take myself standing up, but it definitely would have made a difference at that time. Right. But I didn't know I was 16. Right. I had no idea. Um, so that was sort of, um, those moments of like reflection as an adult later in life. So I definitely hope to help change that with my son um, and help him be more aware as he's older. But it, it's now it's like this balance of how do you help talk about race and um, equity and also make it so that you're not like seeing it, like you're not trying to be like a white savior, right? Like you're not there, like they don't, you know, people from different marginalized groups don't need you to like help and save them. But if you see something, you do need to be standing up and um, treating your friends with um, equal, uh, just treat everyone nicely, right? And when I, he's four, so Stephanie, you had said about being four, and this summer when everything was happening, um, it just so happened that like, that was the time that he was going through noticing stuff. So like I was putting on makeup and he was like, um, what, you know, what color are we? <laughs> I, was, I was not prepared for that question. And I was like, we're white. And he was like, but this isn't white. And he was like looking at my makeup and he was like, I don't even remember what color he said it was like tan or orange or something. I don't know. But I was just like not prepared at all for that. Um, and then like a song came on the radio that he didn't like. And he asked me the name of the song. And I told him and the word black was in the name of the song. And he was like, ew, I hate black. And I was like, like, what? Like, no, you can't say that. But he meant like just the color, like the song, right? But if he had said that, like you were talking about Stephanie to a friend at school, like how harmful could that have been for one of his, his buddies, right? Um, and so I was, I tried to have a conversation with him about it. And I was like, hey, I, I just don't think you should really talk like that because different people, you know, have different color um, and they may think you're talking about them. And he was like, I, well, I hate black and like everything he would see, he kept like saying it. And of course the behavior analyst in me is like, crap, I can't give this too much attention because then it's just going to keep happening. Um, and he's at that phase where he wants to do like the opposite, right. Of what I tell him to do. And so I asked him, I was like, um, how do you think your friend? And I said, the girl's name would feel if you told her you hate black. And he was like, she wouldn't care. She's Brown. It's just like, okay. Well, the, the mind of a four-year-old, right? But it's like, if I hadn't like kind of dove in and talked to him a little bit about that, like he could have said that to her and her identity, she, you know, what effect that would have had on her. So we tried to have like some conversations about it, but, um, but it, it's not something that I, I think anyone from my generation probably feels prepared for either because we were, it was all swept under the rug mostly too. And it's more reflections that we think about as we get older. Um, so I know like we, we participated in a group for families to talk about race 
and had like, it was a book club. So we've got like new books. And I know a lot of families I've seen post about that on Facebook. Um, I bet it's mostly been white families. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, I guess we're, we're the ones that are out of the loop there um, and getting more like resources in that way. And like, just being more mindful about like making sure there's exposure to like those frames, making sure he's not just being exposed to like white's great right and blacks not or um whites better than all of the other things so um but it's it's hard at this age to have for me at least to have a good conversation because if i push too hard he goes in the opposite direction he's just not at that age yet where he like respects me enough to be like okay mommy i understand you know so it's that finding that balance and i do worry that i mean a lot of us aren't well trained on that so like being a behavior analyst i can pick up on what I'm saying right now isn't connecting and it might actually have the opposite effect. So I'm going to pull back, but I worry about what other families might, you know, might not even realize what they're teaching their kids. So that is me. Um, our next question. I know it's a little weird to just like say something and then <laughs> just kind of move on to the next thing, but now we're going to reflect a little bit. So now um, we'll go around for reflection. So what is something that, or multiple things, however you want to do it, that was said by someone just now that you're reflecting on? Um, this could be anything you hadn't considered before. It could even be like if someone said something that maybe not necessarily, like we don't want an argument to happen or anything, but if there's like points that you want to bring to mind for them because maybe they're not aware of that kind of thing. So um, who would like to go first for that? I can go first. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I've been really reflecting on is Stephanie, you brought up the election um, and your kids being into the election. And um, it made me think about, you know, we, we talk about how, um, the current person in the house, the White House, um, has been discussing and talking about race and some of the things that he has kind of quote unquote, let people feel okay to do and okay to say, and it's just blatant racism and prejudice and sexism and all the isms above that. <laughs> um, and so, one of the things that me as a non-parent and as someone who's only around kids that majority of the time aren't necessarily understanding what's going on in, in society right now, how that this is creating frames and this moment in time is creating frames of kids that are four and five and six and seven, eight and, and 10 and and 13, you know, um, and how this time must be so difficult as a parent to navigate your adult opinions and the adult world and how that is stemming over for your kids. Whether you support Trump or not, it is a difficult time to be a parent because these kids are seeing, you know, Tiffany's being boarded up every other week. You know, if not, it stays up <laughs> between everything going on from June until now, it's been constant chaos. And they pick up on that because that's a, the that's the entire entertainment industry right now. And a big part of that 
is how the entertainment industry has shaped our childhood. You know, I think about my my friend Jessica Velocus from Arizona um, and my supervisor, Sarah, and you, Stephanie, who you guys have really focused on your kids and understanding the election and that they're into it. And I think about myself at that age and I'm like, I had no idea what was going on with Al Gore and George Bush. And I'm like, I probably should have been paying attention though because <laughs> history repeats itself. <laughs> um, but we weren't into elections. We weren't into talking about these things. And so in one breath, I'm like, that's good that we're talking about it as kids. But in another breath, I'm like, their kids and how do you balance them keeping their childhood intact and not to work like I had no worry in the world when I was a kid it entertainment and media and social media wasn't the way it is and then to add on the chaos that has been going on and it just really has me reflecting on you guys as a parent and it has me really reflecting on you, Stephanie and Sarah, my supervisor and my friend, Jessica, as to how they, you guys have really tried to shape your kids and understanding the election and why it's so very important and what that has to do with race and, and their friends, you know? Um, and Megan, your conversation with with your son about just he meant the color black, but that's creating a frame. And now you have to bring it up a notch and in, in an area that you're like, you're four. You know, so hats off to you guys. Um, because I'm looking to you guys for this type of advice. And how do you do that without creating negative frames? You know, we're behavior analysts, so we're, we're dissecting every little thing. <laughs> um, and it's, that can just be so difficult, I'm sure. Um, I, I think you're right. It is really tough. It is really difficult. And when I was eight, I wasn't thinking about the election either, right? But I think you are also right, Adrian, when you say like, this is a difficult time to be a parent, right? When I think about when I was eight, if I wanted to go outside and stay out until the streetlight came on, right? Until the streetlights came on, I could do that. My child doesn't get to do that. Neither of them have the luxury of doing that. And the reason that it's a difficult time to be a parent right now is because of everything I know about race and what's happening in our climate. And it is a balance for sure. But the thing is, is that, like I said, they just, it's a balance, but I can't let them have the same freedoms without the understanding of what comes along with them being little brown people in this world today. And I think for me, that is, hurtful maybe is the best way to put it um and and I am forever cognizant of that and always trying to like you shaping but also like be as direct with them as possible without making my opinions their opinions um because they're th even that it's it's like a um 
it's like a high wire act essentially, right? It's, it's how do I give you just enough to propel you forward, but hold back just enough for you to still think that people are basically good and kind. They're not, <laughs> right? Like they're just not. Um, he should never have to have a kid in third grade say something like, no one wants to be your friend because you're black. Like, really? You know, or a really tough time with his his best friend who finally, I guess, figured out that he was black. So I took him over for a sleepover. And um, Everett says to Solomon, he's like, I'm so happy you're here. This is so great. You know what? You are really special. You know, the really special thing about you is that you're my first brown friend. And his mom and I looked at each other and we're both like, oh. And his mom is really flustered. She's turning red. If I if I didn't have so much melanin, maybe I would have been too. And she's like, and she says to him, she she says, Ev, um, Solomon is just he's special because he's your first friend. And he's like, no, no, but he's also like my first brown friend. Like you need to right get it right. Like this makes him special. And much like Megan, I'm like, ooh. Like, let's not make that the one special thing about Solomon. And I want, like, I want something different for Everett, but I also want something very different for my little, right? I want him to know that it's not just about the color of your skin that makes you important or amazing or big in your own right. Like, you're also super funny. You're handsome. I might be biased. Um, you're very smart, right? Like, you have all of these things that make you special. You're a good friend. You're an awesome human. You're loyal you don't you're honest right but for Everett in that moment he was special because he was brown and there there is a very heavy feeling as a mom to try to figure out how to create a sense of self-worth outside of your just your identity as a little brown boy or girl um, because I want them to be proud of being black I want them to have that same like sense of pride that I have, but I also want them to understand that it's not the only thing um, that makes you special. Again, I feel like I talked for too long. So there's that. You're fine, you're fine. <laughs> um, well, thanks Stephanie for sharing that and Adrian as well. Um, I have like so many different reflections. I'm gonna share the one that just came to mind as you were talking Stephanie about that example with Solomon and, and being brown. And it made me think like how, you know, being brown is not the only special thing about him. And then I was, it made me think about how like one of my big fears for Taylor is the opposite of being that he thinks because he's white, he is more special, right? Um, because like, that's, you know, a lot of the toxicity that I experience even for myself, like not at the same level as um, people would of the different color, but just as a white woman is from white men who were growing up told they were the best simply because they were white and a man. And I can remember even in elementary school and middle school and high school, it was a surprise if the girls performed better on the math and science test or were the better athletes, right? It was like, oh, you can't be better. You're a girl. So like, that's, you know, a whole separate thing. It's not really, that starts to go into a whole different area, but it just came to mind for me. Like that's a, 
a fear I have, like, I want him to be like compassionate and empathetic and realize that like everyone is equal or, you know, can achieve different things and, and is special for various reasons, like you're saying, but I also don't want him to get that wrong idea that just because he's white and a man that he's better than everyone else. Um, so that was one reflection. And then the other one I had too was on the election. I was just like, wow, that's so amazing that you like dove in on all of that. <laughs> like, I think Taylor might be too young at four to dive into that. He did bring it up to me though. I didn't even talk to him about it, but he asked me some questions and we had some honest conversation, but I had to balance because there was a lot of different perspectives in his life. So I had to be balanced about it and explain but I focused most on just caring about people. He apparently only cares about garbage men right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I had to help pull that back around and uh, help him see that like, we should care about everyone. Um, but um, yeah, so that, and then for Adrian, um, when you were talking about uh, race and like not coming up until you were 18, that was a reflection moment for me as well that, um, you know, just everyone has different experiences um, with, with life in general. Uh, and that whole like separate, like how you were saying that your family, it was like they were living kind of one reality and you were living a different reality. And I just sort of wonder, I know you said you want it to be different for your children, but I do wonder how different that is for these like generations behind us. Like are families still living two different realities or is it getting our, you know, taboo topics getting talked about more. And we had a few comments in the chat on Facebook. Um, Jess Velakis Jess is watching and she was just, um, she said the high wire is a perfect analogy. Um, and Amaryllis earlier said, being comfortable embracing what we were born with can be so challenging, especially in the workplace. Hashtag team curls. <laughs> Um, so we have one last question and then we may have a little bit of extra time if there's anything else we want to talk about. So for this question, it's just the sort of closing piece. If there's anything that um, you would like to leave people with to think about or an action item for people to do a key point, anything like that. Anybody want to go first? Yeah. Um... I want for people to be okay with bringing this up. You know, I want people to realize how frames get created at a young age, you know, and really look to the conversations that Megan, you had with Taylor and Stephanie, um, with Solomon and Everett and looking at his mom, like, we gonna talk about this. <laughs> What are you doing here? Because <laughs> I'm about it if you're about it. <laughs> um, and I want it to get to a point where our kids are making their own decisions for other reasons other than race. And if you don't bring it up, whether you, you know, are on one end of the spectrum of how to address the barriers or on the other end of the spectrum of how to address the barriers, nevertheless, people just shouldn't be looked at being different negatively because of their skin color. And that should be where we have middle ground. You know, you should never look at me and say, oh, you're surprised that I am where I am because I'm 28 young and a black female. I get that all the time. And it's never, it's never just because I'm a female. It's always because I'm a black female. 
And sometimes I wish I was that little girl that didn't notice that she was black sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. But I'm also very proud that I know that and that I can advocate for myself and advocate for others. And so with that being said, I want people to just really take away that it's okay to talk about race and you never, and you want to be able to shape your child's mind more than social media or the entertainment industry. I think that's another middle ground that we can all agree upon, you know, um, and, and talk about it. You know, it doesn't have to be around the election because that's a, you know, touchy topic or whatever, but talk about that people should not be treated differently based off of how they look or what they believe in. Now, if you have concrete, like they're a piece of crap because they did X, Y, and Z to my family member, then by all means, you know, um, but I want it to be a normal conversation and to not live two different realities that I think a lot of times currently people are doing and being more mindful of what frames that creates. Thanks, Adrian. Stephanie, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. Okay. Um, I, I do want people to be comfortable. Um, I also just want people to be honest with themselves and with their loved ones, whether they are adults, but especially when they are children. Um, without being, without projecting, I guess it is. And really, if you can't, I guess for me also, if you can't be comfortable, just be okay being uncomfortable, realizing that that's where change happens a lot of the time. Um, and just be willing and ready to make the change and acknowledge that it needs to happen, right? Because I think all too often people, especially adults are pretty much set in their ways, if you will. And they're just like, hey, this is the way the world is. And that's, that's that. Um, I want people to get to the place where you're having these conversations, you're listening, listen and learn for sure. Um, but just get to the place where you can make a change because it's required for our society moving forward. Clearly, whatever we're doing right now is not, it's not working. So get to the place where you can have open, honest conversations that may be uncomfortable um, and you can make a change for the better because our littles need that. Our littles really, really need that. And it is that it is, it is a matter of balance. It is a matter of patience. And it is a matter of understanding that in order to create good humans, you need to be a good human, right? Um, and just really hone in on that. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't really have anything like major to add. I think you both covered such great information. The one thing that I was thinking about and could probably be its own separate difficult discussion is to try to have some type of plan for how you'll teach yourself and your children how to just check your biases as well. Um, because I think that's part of the reason sometimes these conversations are difficult to have because earlier I said white males and like anybody watching this who's a white male is probably like, 
how dare she, <laughs> right? Like be open and curious and like, think about like, why would I say that? You know, why would that be a thing that comes up as, as a white woman or a black woman or a black man? Or like, why would these sort of um, pieces of information be put out there? It's not to be mean, it really isn't. It's to label what's happening and um, and identify things. And then we can, we can notice that that exists and try to work to combat it, right? So if we're just avoiding talking about the things altogether, we're avoiding pointing out the obvious things that are happening because it might seem like we're trying to bash someone or be negative towards someone, then the, then the issues will just persist and they'll never stop. So be, as Stephanie and um, Adrian both said, like willing to get uncomfortable about those types of things, but also just if someone does point something out, be curious. And when you're talking to your children, try to check your own biases and approach it from a place of curiosity as well in support of and service toward creating good humans, like, we, like Stephanie already said. So um, that would be my big thing is just really be checking, you know, kind of where biases might be coming in and, and seeing if you can navigate and work around or toward against those. Um, um, have something to just add as far as resources go yes. to that. Um, so Barbie for females out there and for people who um, enjoy Barbie, females or not, um, <laughs> they came out with a really nice commercial. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else saw that, but it was a commercial of white Barbie talking to a black Barbie friend um, about race and bringing it up. And um, it was it was a great model for that. And along with I love blackish. And so um, blackish had an episode of talking to their teenagers and their little ones about race. Um, I cannot remember what season it is and what episode it is because there's a lot of blackish episodes. <laughs> um, but those are some of the two that kind of stick out to mind or Sesame Street does a really, really nice job as well um, in talking about race and disability with Sesame Street. Um, so if people are looking for references of how the entertainment industry is bringing this to our youth, um, in these different uh, television shows and commercials and things like that. Um, those are some really good um, things to kind of reference. Awesome. I think Blackish had an episode too, also a slightly different topic, but didn't they have one where the dad um, at work, they were trying to like pigeonhole him as like the diversity, equity, and inclusion person? Um, so that was a good episode as well. I need to like rewatch that one probably. Yeah, I probably all do. <laughs> I think that was a few years ago. Even I was like, yeah, I got an email today about that, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> we have so much work to do. <laughs> um, there is a couple comments on Facebook again. Um, Jess said it's so important to recognize those frames are forming young, and Vern said, "Thank you, thank you. This is so important. I joined late, but so glad I did." As a mom and a BCBA, I'm learning to be uncomfortable and have these conversations. Genuinely thankful for each of you being honest and open. You are very welcome. And then um, Jess also said, holding others um, who love us accountable. And I think she loved the Barbie commercial. She said loved that, but I'm not sure if it was in reference to the Barbie commercial or one of the other resources you were talking about. <laughs> 
I'm I'm really sad that we don't have more time. Well, what I mean, we have seven minutes. Come on, Stephanie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I mean, seriously, like, I'm, I wish we had more time because I think like kind of what Adrian was talking about is a it's a lot to unpack when you're talking about race and when you're talking about talking about talking about it to your children. Um, and it just feels like, I don't know, I'm grateful Adrian sh um, shared the resources with us. I feel like there needs to be another model outside of like the media resources if you will like for us like there needs to be families having those kind of discussions and modeling them like for instance I know we were talking about the election but the reason why my children are so um involved in stuff like that is because I don't watch tv like I just don't watch tv I would much rather read a book or read an article than watch television but when I do watch television, I'm generally watching the news. And so I think a lot of what happens is that my children are interested in what I'm interested in. Um, and so we have opportunities to have those conversations, but they haven't watched like TV TV in a long time. Um, and I wish there were more like groups surrounding this. Like you said, Megan, like you joined a book club, which I think is really awesome, but you're, you're also at the risk of sounding really, you know how much yeah. I love. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> right when you say like white families are doing that, but there's not a lot of black families having those conversations in a book club. Um, we do have conversations, like I said, in our safe spaces, but I wish there were models and groups that are diverse to have those kind of conversations. I don't know, maybe, Listen, this sounds like a good idea. I need to write this down before I say <laughs> I it out loud. The list. <laughs> but, but I think there needs to be a place where children and parents of all backgrounds can come together and engage in conversations much like the conversation we're having here, right? We talk about cultural humility. We talk about accepting people for who they are and where they are. But I think there needs to be a place that is safe for people to have those conversations with other people. Like I wish Solomon, I wish Solomon was still for so that I could hang out with you and Taylor and they could talk about this and we could record it and we could we could share it with other people because I think I think you're raising a really cool human. <laughs> and I might be biased, but I also think I'm raising a really cool human. Um and I think they would have a lot to share with each other. Um I also think I if I could cut in on that really yeah. quick Stephanie from a parent perspective because the way a black mom has to talk to her black son or black daughter about race is just different of how Megan gets to talk to Taylor about race you know yeah. um, the conversations that are had are different for somebody who is of Muslim descent than of a black child you know what I mean um, and I think parents need to understand what those conversations look like intersectionally, because that will shape how Megan talks to Taylor or how Jessica is going to talk to her Hispanic son, you know, um, about, about race and ethnicity and of other cultures, because Megan can have 
firsthand experience. And up until now, I'm not sure if Megan or the Jessica's or the everybody else's have the perspective from a black individual and a black parent to then teach their child better than what we were taught. So not only from a child level, but also from a parent level and the bi-directionality of those conversations and what now Megan is now privileged to be able to tell Taylor um, when this gets brought back up again. I, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I feel like we need a new do better group. Like I feel like <laughs> we need uh, a parent child do better group and we can we can hook that up. I don't know. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like we need I agree. I feel like we need something because we're talking about like the way we talk to our children, but I think you're right. There is value, if you will. I think yeah, there is value in understanding it from a different perspective and seeing how that works. Um, and shaping our conversations with regard to what someone else is that and and you need to be able to parse it apart in order to say like hey did you hear that right like I'm that's always my question when I'm talking to Solomon or Sanaya it's like hey did you did you get that right like I want to know what you got from the conversation I need you to talk to me about it and I need to if I need to hone in on a couple of parts let's do that but what does that mean to you and how do you receive that information? And I think it is, like I said, I think there's value in getting it straight from the horse's mouth, if you will, not to call other parents horses, but um, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying, right? Getting it from where where the perspective lies, um, there's value in that. And I and I want to see more of that. I want to. I think I want to be part of that. Yeah. I should say that. Oh I know the. Um white people doing something Facebook page um, by Molly. I can't remember her last name and her partner. Um, they have these discussions on Facebook and it's on more of a broader level than like the ABA world. Um, so you can get into some of these nitty, nitty gritty things. Well, Stephanie, when you were talking, of course I was like, well, I guess that's the next project we're doing. <laughs> Um, and maybe Adrian, we can touch base offline and see if there's like a, a Baba type uh, thing that we could maybe pull in or something. We'll have to We're up for see. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we, we definitely, you know, can brainstorm and figure out something. And even what, um, when you were mentioning, cause you and I, uh, Stephanie have talked to about like different events to host, um, going forward into 2021. So even like a longer workshop on uh, race and, um, you know, touching on some of the topics we talked about tonight, but really kind of getting, digging in deeper on some of these things and helping behavior analysts or anyone who wants to participate start to confront some of these things and like be willing to talk about this stuff because we didn't even not, I can't believe not a single one of us brought this up, but like, hi, we have clients who are children as well. <laughs> Right. So, um, and they're from all sorts of different races and backgrounds and identities. So if we don't have those pers various perspectives, then there's also, and we know from like, you know, different social media threads and things that happen that, that this stuff is going on all the time in clients' homes. Um, so we, you know, the more cultural humility we have, obviously the better. And I think that would be 
uh, a good way to sort of dive in on some of that stuff. I also posted for those of you watching on Facebook Live, we have our next journal article discussion uh, this Thursday. So for those of you who enjoy listening to Stephanie talk, especially, she's the <laughs> one who leads that one. Um, so we'll all be talking, but you'll get to hear her most. Um, so we're doing the article that we're doing is by Dr. Malika Pritchett and, mm. um, and uh, colleagues, and it's called Social Justice is the Spirit and Aim of an Applied Science of Human Behavior moving from colonial to participatory research practices. And the article is so good that I, I think we came up with like over 20 questions for discussion, but we won't obviously get to discuss all of those. And uh, Dr. Pritchett is joining us as a special guest mm. for it as well, so. Mm. <laughs> Before we leave. Yes. Um, as I, like, before this, um, Adrian, you were, can I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. If you do like blink or something, but you were <laughs> just, if you do, I was going to say mute her, but you're not the host. Right. So you can't. <laughs> um, no, but Adrian was talking about being present. Um, and, and I too really have a strong affinity for act and I am very passionate about being present and in the moment. And I just want to um, share something with you guys. As I'm sitting here trying to maintain in the present moment, I'm also reflecting over the past hour um, that I've gotten to talk to you guys. And I, I really not going to be sappy, so stop it. Um, but I just want to say thank you. <laughs> because I've been having conversations. I, and I'm surprised we did, also didn't mention this, Megan. Um, we have a, a Black a uh, female vice president, yeah. right? And I'm talking- Anybody needed to do that again, <laughs> right? Um, and I've been talking to my daughter a lot about that, obviously, but um, she, I hope that one day she gets to meet Kalama Harris, right? But she might not. But right now I'm thinking about how fortunate she may be to have conversations with you, Adrian, or you, Megan, and how she has- role models in her life even um who are beautiful strong brilliant women um and who don't shy away from like these kinds of conversations and I just want to say how like in awe I am of both of you and I am very grateful to know you right it's important that you hear that and it's important that you understand how much even if i don't talk to you often or if i can't always make wine night right or or like solidify a date because life is stressful <laughs> um but it's really important for you guys to both know and from the bottom of my heart that i am very grateful to say that i know you and very grateful to have conversations like this because it impacts my life greatly and um thank you for being awesome i don't think i could say it any better <laughs> but definitely right right there with you um and i can't even the uh short time that i've been interacting live with both of you instead of just on facebook um it's like every time i know i'm gonna see you two uh whether it's individually or together I just smile like the whole time and I just know it's going to be a good experience so thank you Same. yeah definitely I, I won't get too emotional <laughs> um but it's it's been such a pleasure um 
And it's definitely restored my faith in this field. Because um, I know you guys have heard me talk a lot. And I've, I've spoken with Megan and Stephanie, you already know. Um, it's difficult, you know, being in this field sometimes. And um, knowing you two has just restored all the faith. <laughs> all the faith. So thank you guys. Of course. Thank you. All right. Well, look, we only went like five I'm not gonna cry on <laughs> I'm not going to do it. You won't. <laughs> you will see it. <laughs> the revolution right. will not be televised. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll see some of you on Thursday. That one's at 7 p.m. And um, thank you, Adrian and Stephanie, for both participating tonight. We have our difficult discussions once a month, and um, I think both of you will probably participate in future ones since you enjoyed it so much. So <laughs> I appreciate your time, but I also look forward to talking to you again. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Bye.